I'm Steve Schlanger, and you are listening to the Peloton of Fun podcast. Please enjoy the Peloton of Fun podcast. But in case you don't know me, I'm Phil Ligon. Hi, everybody. I'm Paul Sherwin. Tune in, wind it up, and enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the Peloton of Fun. This is Rylan. And this is Emily. And this is Murray. Murray is joining us for our uh, mid-Giro uh, recap and Vuelta preview. Um, before we get to that, though, let me remind you that you can find us by going to soundcloud.com slash Peloton of Fun. You can find us on uh, Instagram at Peloton of Fun. You can uh, find us on all of your podcasting platforms where you can review us and give us a rating. And you can email us Peloton of Fun at gmail.com. Uh, so we are going to uh, give you a quick recap of what's been going on in the Giro. We are uh, going to talk about the other great races that have been taking place since the uh, Tour de France ended a few weeks ago. And then we're going to look forward to the Vuelta, which starts in a few days. Um, but uh, before we get kicked off here, any, uh, any, any first thoughts about uh, what's been going on in racing the last few weeks, Emily? I mean, I think when we go back to talking about the Giro the other day, a couple of days ago, I was just shocked on people getting kicked off because COVID. I think that's like the main thing, right? COVID has been a major storyline. What's what's your uh, headline, Murray? It's um, it's so compressed. Everything is just pushed together into this late season, and it's kind of hard almost to keep track of it all because it's all happening at the same time, and the weather's different. It just feels... It just feels kind of um, weird. Yeah, I, for me personally, I think um, it's been it's been uh, a mix of two things. One, um, the Giro has been really boring. I think I'll just go ahead and say that right now. It has not been a captivating Grand Tour, especially after a really fascinating and interesting Tour de France. But um, the flip side of that coin is that this. Uh, mid-fall classic season has been awesome and there have been a ton of great races with a ton of great racers and a lot of the hot racers coming straight off of the tour have gone into these classics and have looked great um so guys like mark hershey and wow van art and and riders who we saw a whole lot of in the tour are Kosnefroy. yeah kosnafroy doing a lot of of racing and, and looking really good um so so that's been kind of the headline for me uh, okay, so should we just dive in and uh, talk about uh, what has been happening in racing? I should say uh, we are recording this outside, and there seems to be a little bit of uh, uh, activity both with the neighbors uh, having a party, non-socially distant, well, I guess they might be socially distant, but it uh, sounds like they're having quite a, a shindig going on, and also a raccoon that might be running around, so... But- we have to tell our listeners we live in the middle of Los Angeles, not in the wilderness at all. They might think we like live in the forest or something, but there's like tons of houses near us. They're urban. With raccoons. With raccoons. Um, 
So uh, let's talk about what has been happening in the one-day races. Um, but before we get to the one-day races, well, I guess it was a one-day race. There was the World Championship. Uh, the ITT was won by Filippo Ghana, who uh, has had an incredible season um, for Ineos. Second place was Wout van Aert, a whopping 26.7 seconds back. And Stefan Kung, another couple seconds behind him in third. Garrett Thomas came in fourth, and it later was revealed that he had been riding without his uh, wattage computer. His Garmin uh, either was misplaced or wasn't working or something. So pretty impressive for him to come in fourth place there. Um, but but uh, Filippo Ghana, he's looked amazing. Have you known him before this year? I don't really recognize that name that well. I don't think he was on Ineos before this year, but but I remember hearing his name um, as an up and coming Italian rider, but uh, but didn't know a whole lot about him. And he won the Italian ITT as well. Didn't he? Exactly, he's the Italian and world uh, ITT champion, and uh, and we'll get to it later. But also um, has already taken two stages on the Giro. So wow. Uh, the World Championships was a fantastic race. It was won by Julian Alaphilippe. Alaphilippe in rainbows. Uh, Wild <laughs> Van Aert also came in second. Pretty impressive to come in second in both the World Championships of the ITT and the road race. If anyone's going to do it, Wild Van Aert. And then Mark Hershey, another name um, that we saw a lot of in the tour. He came in second. Both uh, Wild Van Aert and Mark Hershey crossing the line 24 seconds before behind Julian Alaphilippe. Um, there was just a lot of action in this race. Early, a really awesome early attack by Tadej Pogacar, the tour winner. Um, that was brought back. And then on the final climb with about 12K to go, um, there was a selection of really some of the best riders in the world. Greg Van Avermaet, Kwiatkowski, Piermos Roglic, Jakob Fuglesang, Michael Matthews, Valverde, Woods, Guillaume Martin, Tom Dumoulin, uh, Nibali Landa. It just goes on and on and on. Oh and it was God, so exciting. And then uh, Alaphilippe uh, soloed away off the top of that hill. He, I mean, he put in a dig on that hill to get up there first, soloed away and stayed away, and it was very exciting. Yeah, you know, kudos to him. You know, he did not have the uh, Tour de France that he had the previous year at all. You know, there were people wondering why not and everything, and all he does is come back and win the world. So, I mean, that's pretty amazing. I mean, he truly deserves it. He's such a talented rider, and... I think he rides with a lot of aggressiveness, and so it'd be, it's like super cool to see him in the World Championship jersey in this upcoming year. Totally. Um, yeah, I, I think no one is doubting that he deserves it. He's, you know, one of the biggest animators of the peloton, and... Uh, and yeah, I totally agree. It'll be awesome. just like it was awesome to see Peter in, in rainbows and, and Valverde. It's like mm-hmm. when a writer like that really deserves it. It's, it's great to see. Not to take anything away from someone like Mads Pedersen, but it's not like anyone was feeling like he totally deserved it before he won. Well, he was a little bit of an unknown too. I mean, people had heard of him, but he wasn't a, a star writer by any means. And you know, great, he had it for a year. And we'll come back to him in a little bit because uh, he has played an active role in this classic season. But before that, there was also the Bink Bank Tour, which is actually the only race on this list that I had not did not watch any of. Uh, I think it was four stages because one of the stages was canceled. Uh, or maybe it was supposed to be four, but it was only three. Yeah. Uh, what did it, one, two, three, four. There were four stages that were run. Jasper Philipson won a stage. Mads Pedersen, there you go, won a stage. Soren Krag Anderson won a stage. And Matthew Vanderpool won a stage. He also won the overall 
Craig Anderson winning, uh, taking second place, and Stefan Kung in third. Then came Flesh Wallone and a really another really exciting race. One of our absolute favorites, Emily. Why is why is Flesh Wallone our favorite? Hui hui hui. The murder hui, the incredible uh, finale of one of the best. Um, Big punchy climbs to end a race, especially in, as far as classics go. It's awesome. Uh, Mark Hershey, there he is again. He won Flash Alone. Um, Benoit Kosnefra came in second, and uh, Michael Woods third. That final climb was just tons of excitement. Um, Warren Bargiel was there. Dan Martin was there. Kwiatkowski, who always seems to be there, but has not taken a single podium. Uh, Richie Port, Pogachar, Danny Martinez, all close. I just feel like for maybe like two seconds there while I was watching this, when Richie Port was like trying to break away, I was like, oh, he has such a great season with the tour. Maybe this is like his year. It was not his year. It would have been pretty fun to see Richie Port win uh, Flesh Malone, but it was not his year. Uh, but how about that final climb? I mean, just a killer. Yeah, and you know, it's, it was kind of amazing that Pogachar, who just has such a great final kick, actually did get passed by Hershey. Yeah. It was un- unusual. Next up was Liege Baston Liege, the uh, first of the uh, rescheduled monuments. Uh, actually, that's not true because uh, Il Lombardia happened before the tour, strangely. Um, but uh, Liege Baston Liege was um, another fantastic race. This was... Um, I don't know, just one of the best races I've seen. Had a wild sprint um, that Primoz Roglic won. Uh, Not something you say that often, that Primoz Roglic won a sprint. But it was so crazy because Alaphilippe was there. He had crossed, he he had thought that he was winning. He raised his hands in victory, and Primoz Roglic nipped him at the line. Uh, but Alaphilippe did not take second place because he was actually relegated due to uh, a, a little hargy-bargy on the way in there. So Well-deserved, too. He definitely did put his shoulder into uh, one of the guys. Yeah, so Mark Hershey ended up in second and Pogachar third. But, I mean, talk about a uh, who's who on that podium. Roglic, Hershey, Pogachar. Pogachar. <laughs> uh, Greg Van Avermaet also notably crashed out of that race, and uh, which looks like it has ended his season. Um, but but really great seeing these top top riders on a one day race like that. Yeah, no, I mean all these races with all these great riders from the Tour de France um, has just been a, a delight. And uh, a, a just dessert for Primoz Roglic, who everyone was uh, feeling like you know didn't didn't get what he deserved from the tour. Um, okay, so that brings us to Brabant's appeal. Um, this this happened a few days after Liège Baston Liège, and Julian Alaphilippe did win this race, uh, but he again. Sat up to celebrate too early and was almost nipped at the on the line by Matthew Vanderpool. It was, I couldn't believe it. I mean, we saw this happen and we thought for sure he'd done it again. Yeah, I mean, I feel like when we post this episode, we always need to post a video, maybe like a side by side photo. Why does Julie Elf? I mean, he first of all, when he did it the first time at Lee Beston Leeds, he like apologized afterwards. It sounded really sincere, and he did it again. Four now, days later. Yeah, it's like. Does he think he 
he's wearing the rainbow jersey. He can just like do all these fancy things. Well, I, I think he's just such a showman, and he can't help himself. Almost, it just it just bubbles up inside him, and he just wants to celebrate. Except he picks a moment too soon. Yeah, uh, but it was cool to see him uh, take a stage so soon after getting that uh, rainbow jersey. So. We never have to hear any of that stupid talk about the curse of the rainbow jersey and not winning any tour or any uh, races once he's in rainbows. Uh, I think I failed to mention it, but Benoit Klosnerfor came in second, or excuse me, third after Vanderpool. Um, Perry Tours happened after that. That was won by Sunweb's Casper Peterson in a uh, two-up sprint with Benoit Klosnerfor, um, and then uh, his. Um, teammate Joris Nieuwenhuis, who I am not familiar yeah, with, took never third. Um, Gent Wevelgum the next day was an extremely fun race. This was probably my my favorite race of this whole classic season. Uh, Mads Pedersen ended up winning. Florian Seneschal of Dakota Quickstep second, and Matteo Trentin of CCC third. But there was so much going on here. The final. 30 or so kilometers uh, will be fun to go back and watch in the future. Um, there were just a ton of great riders there. Betty Alcung, Dagan Kolb, Yves Lampere, Wout van Aert, Matthew Vanderpool. Um, and and it was just a really exciting uh, tactical battle. There were about five or six other riders um, uh, just all fighting for position. And, uh, and it was especially well... Um, commentated on by the Eurosport team uh, that included Adam Blythe, who really did not have justice done to him by sitting on the back of the motorcycle at the Tour de France. Uh, he is so good on the call. What an interesting course, too. I mean, how many times did they go around that uh, that circuit with the, uh, the cobbles and the hills and everything about five or six times? And then after that, then they stretch it out and uh, sprint 30 more K to the end. Totally different. Yeah, it was great. Really great. Uh, also on the call, Philippe Gilbert came in, and uh, he's pretty good. I could see him. He's been out with a knee injury, but I could see him uh, doing that, even in English in the future. Um, really had some interesting commentary. But Adam Blythe especially, I think, he was able to break down the tactics that were going on um, while these you know, 15 world-class riders were, uh, were duking for position. And, and even just like the little things, I've never noticed like one rider just missing a turn or just pulling through the front very quickly. He was picking it out right away and being like, watch for him, he's going to probably be the next to go. And then boom, he would go. And so, and so then when Seneschal, Trentin, and Betty all went um, with you know, two or three K to go, um, we were watching them, and and then Mads Pedersen. We saw him, uh, you know, try to to get away and, and join up with those three leaders. And as soon as he got there, it was clear that he had the most strength. Wav van Aert, Matthew Vanderpool were just completely boxing each other out, and did not end up coming in last of that group because neither one of them went. Um, so just really exciting, really tactical, really interesting. Cool to see John Degenkolb up there, too. I mean, he's had a checkered career the last few years, and it's great to see him riding well again. Yeah, and some bad injuries as well. Yeah. Uh, and then finally, our last classic before we recorded this episode was Sheldaprice, which is the Sprinter's Classic. Uh, Caleb Ewan won that with Bonifacio second and Kakard third. There was a really bad crash at the finish Uh I mean, when there's a crash, when they're going that fast, it is just brutal. Ackerman actually finished second, but he was relegated because of the crash for causing that. Uh, 
So that brings us to the Giro d'Italia. Uh, obviously, the Giro did not just start after those classics. It was happening at the same time as the classics, but uh, it was considerably less interesting so we'll take that uh kind of run through this here pretty quick uh, I thought the weather was interesting why is that because it's like always raining there has been a, a fair amount of wet days um the there was an itt prologue with uh filippo ghana taking the win again unstoppable and not just by a little bit he beat joao almeida by 22 seconds he is really good at time trialing uh, Mikkel Berg was second, and Garrett Thomas was, or excuse me, Mikkel Berg was third, and Garrett Thomas was fourth. Um, so Garrett Thomas, the the, the main um, GC uh, winner of the ITT, you might say. Um, Joe Almeida, I should mention, is still in pink, um, but I don't think anyone thinks he's going to be able to keep uh, that pink through the big um, mountain stages coming up. So after that ITT prologue. Uh, times back to Garrett Thomas. Uh, Yates was next at 26 seconds to Garrett. Uh, Pelo Bilbao, 36 seconds. Kelderman, a minute five. Nibali, a minute six. Kreisweig, a minute 21. Fuglsang, kind of the big loser of the GC contenders, a minute 24. Uh, stage two was won by Diego Ulisi. Stage three was the climb up Mount Etna. It was won by EF's Jonathan uh, Calcedo, who is, I believe, the uh, Ecuadorian road race champ. Yep, Ecuador. And uh, he looked great. Joel Meda moved into pink after that. Uh, Garrett crashed actually in the neutral zone um, and ended up losing 12 minutes that we just couldn't figure out what was going on. Turns out he had a fractured pelvis and had to pull out the next day. Okay, I'm going to ask you a question you're not going to know the answer to. How do you ride a bike with a fractured pelvis? <laughs> it's unbelievable. I think these top-level world-class athletes are just so used to bear pain that just day in, day out, especially when you go through a grand tour, they're just so used to it that their pain tolerance is, like, way higher than everyone you else. a fractured pelvis? I think it probably <laughs> just, like, feels... Like any other normal injury. Well, interestingly, it it felt bad enough that he lost twelve minutes on the climb, so he knew something was up. But he must have thought maybe it's just a, it's just a knock, and I'll be able to you know get better over the next few days. Because clearly, if he knew that it was bad, he wouldn't have continued. Right. Well, and also we've seen Garrett Thomas suck it up with pain before on other rides in the past, so we know he has a high pain threshold. But he's pretty bummed out because, um, you know, he had finally started riding well. Clearly, he did not get to go to the Tour de France, which was um, uh, he was bummed out about. Um, and he looked great in the ITT. So, you know, he had a pretty good chance of winning this Giro, and uh, that was snatched away from him. Uh, stage four was uh, won by Arnaud Demar. This will sound pretty familiar because Arnaud Demar would go on to win stages six, seven, and twelve. So certainly the class sprinter Arnaud Demar is looking great. Uh, stage five was won again by Filippo Ghana. Uh, this time uh, not an ITT. Uh, stage eight was a solo victory by Alex Dowsett from a breakaway. It's the first Grand Tour win for Israel Pro Cycling, or excuse me, Israel Startup Nation, it's called. Um, stage nine was won by Ruben Guerrero from a breakaway. That's the second win of the Giro for EF. 
Uh, and then uh, stage 10, kind of the, the big emotional stage, was won by Peter Sagan. His first win since the 2019 Tour de France on a 12K solo. Very exciting ride. Maybe not quite as exciting as Eurosports Rob Hatch thought it was. <laughs> he was going nuts talking about no one would ever see him come, thought he would come back. It was uh, a little over the top. I mean, if anybody can do a solo win, it's like obviously Peter. I mean, how many times have he done that, breaking away at the Tour de France from over the years? Also, why? Who was saying that he couldn't come back who and win stages? Saying that, I mean, come on. It's not that weird for someone to go a whole year without winning a, yeah. a race, and so I mean, like, granted, he hasn't had the best year, but he's. It's, it's just silly to think that he would never come back and win another stage. You know, he's, what, in his early 30s? Look at Valverde. He's still running at 40 and winning races. So. Come on. Uh, Jakob saying ended up losing a minute with a mechanical on stage 10. Um, stage 12 was one from a breakaway by Ineos' Jonathan Narvaez. Didn't have him on my uh, likely stage winners. Uh, never heard of him. Stage 13 was then won by uh, Diego Ulisi after a late... Um, split. It was actually pretty interesting. There was this was today's stage. There was a uh, a kicker hill about uh, I don't know fifteen twenty k from the finish, and Demar was first dropped, and then Peter was dropped, and so all of the GC contenders and a couple teammates ended up going over the hill together. They were on the downhill um, and relatively wet roads. Uh, Peter was trying to get back to them. Had Peter made it back, he would have most likely won the stage. They stayed away. There was a bit of a GC sprint for the finish with um, Ulysses winning that and uh, the uh, the pink jersey, Joao Almeida, coming in second. So he extended his lead. So the GC looks like this. Almeida's in pink. Wilco Kelderman's in second, 40 seconds back. Pelo Bilbao in third, 49 seconds back. And then we've got Pazzo Vivo, a minute three. Nibali, a minute seven. Micah, a minute 27. And Fuglesang, 226. You might have noticed I did not say the name Simon Yates there. That's because... Uh, he has tested positive, and him uh, and his entire team pulled out of the Giro. Uh, so did uh, so did Kreisweig and his entire team. Uh, we'll get to that more in a second. But just to finish off the Giro, we see uh, the mountains classification is held by Ruben Guerrero. Young rider is Almeida, but Jai Hainley is wearing it, and Team Ineos leads the team competition by um, seven minutes over to Kuna Quick Step. Uh, and then tomorrow is the, ITT, the second of three ITTs with four summit finishes um, coming in the next week before the final ITT a week from Sunday. Three ITTs. Oh, uh, and thank you for pointing that out. We actually did not talk about the sprints. Uh, Arno Demar is currently in first place in the, what, the Chiclamino jersey. Uh, he has 221 points, and Peter Sagan has 184 points. So it's all to play for in the sprints, for sure. Uh, okay, so before we jump into our COVID discussion, anything to clean up as far as Demar versus Sagan, the GC, um, anything else in the Giro? Well, it's interesting. I mean, Damar is obviously dominating, and it makes me wonder <clears throat> about the other uh, sprinters in this race, like uh, um, Trentine. They're just—he's just better than them, or they're just 
at the end of the season, their their legs are tired. Yeah, Viviani's there. He doesn't look very good. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think I think that uh, Demar is just the, the obviously the class sprinter of the group. Oh, and the other one is uh, Gaviria, who mm-hmm. hasn't looked like anything at all. He sits up all the time. Uh, what do you think, Emily? Do you think Sagan's got enough for Demar to uh, to get him, or do you think Demar is going to end up winning the Chiclamino? Um, I mean, as much as I want to root for Peter, I think. Demarge is like very strong, and he's gonna carry all the way. It's pretty hard to get too much of a sense of who the wh- who looks best in the GC because all these riders are only separated by their timing from the uh, ITT or in Fuglesang's case from a mechanical. But uh, any uh, any thoughts on on these guys? I mean, do we all agree that Almeida is not going to carry the pink uh, to uh, um, to Milan? Mm, no, I don't think. I think there's just like more stages coming up. That's more decisive. Any idea who you think will take it? I mean, I'm rooting for Nibali. Are you? I don't know that much about him. I mean, is he a climber? I mean, I, I, you know, if he's a climber, he has a shot. But someone else like a Kelderman, who is a climber, and he's only 40 seconds back, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, I don't know that much about Almeida either. He's been around a little bit, but I don't think he's a. I mean, he's not like a GC contender climber, but you never know. Uh, okay, so so let's transition to our our COVID discussion here because the Giro has been extremely affected by the recent uptick in cases in Europe, uh, and in, especially in the Giro bubble. Um, Simon Yates, as I mentioned, uh, was the first to come down with COVID, and he left the Giro. His entire team pulling out a few days later. Uh, clearly, there they had more. Um, more cases in in their team, uh, or at least in the support staff. Kreisweig tested positive, and he uh, and his entire team, Jumbo Visma, also pulled out. Um, and then Michael Matthews tested positive, and only he left. However, it now is looks like it was a false positive, as he's had two more tests that have both come back as negative. Um, but uh, speaking of positives, there were 17 motorbike police who all tested positive at the Giro. So you want to talk about a bubble collapsing? That is not good. So um, when Michael Matthews pulled out, there was a lot of pressure on Sunweb to also pull out, but they didn't. Yeah, they didn't. And uh, obviously they didn't have any other positive tests because it sounds like they didn't have a first positive test. Mm-hmm. So it seems like um, that heat was uh, – was, uh, extinguished a little bit uh, but but there has been heat on the Giro organizers for sure EF um, sent a strongly worded letter um, from Jonathan Vodders saying that uh, the Giro needed to be cut short that it should be canceled after this Sunday's um, GC um, decider uh, so to speak and and they should they should cancel the last week um, the Giro pretty much rejected that right away uh, many of EF's riders have said that they don't want to leave the Giro, uh, and I think Jonathan Vaders was just giving sort of cover to this idea that it's not safe to be there. No one's going to say they want to leave until they get sick, but it's not fair to make them be there. Um, do you think the Giro has more responsibility after the collapse of their bubble? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think they need to really figure out how... Um Twitter friends did it right but then at the same time if you look at the how much the Italians have suffered 
ever since their lockdown during COVID, I'm sure their tourist economy is suffering with you know hotel capacities, you know lowering by drastic like ninety percent. So I can see how the Giro probably feels responsible to carry on, and you know to help the local economy. Yeah, and if you look at the ride, the the spectators on the side of the road, they are packed together way more than we saw at the tour, and way more than we're seeing in um, the in the the races in Belgium. Um, so yeah, it doesn't it does not seem particularly responsible. Um, Amstel Gold was canceled. Perry Roubaix it was announced as canceled as well. I don't know if you saw that news, Emily. Kind of sad. Um, Tour of Flanders has banned spectators on the climbs and the cobbled sectors, and the Vuelta is saying that there are no spectators will be allowed on the big climbs. Is that good enough? Um, well, it'll help. Um, I'm actually happy about that because it starts to annoy me when the when the uh, climb crowd starts pushing in on the on the riders as they come up the narrow stretches and. And they're so close, and they're like breathing on them and spitting on them and pushing them and all that. That really bothers me. Oh yeah, that's horrible. Much better. But well, do you think they'll be able to keep the the spectators off of the climbs? I mean, I think it's hard when you're at a bike race unless you're like actually part of a bubble and you're restricting movement. Um, but I think there's going to be a lot of pressure on Walta. Um, as, you know, right now, uh, cases in Europe are going up again. There's a surge. Um, so we'll see what happens. I wouldn't be surprised if Walta cuts short. Yeah, well, I should also mention it already is slightly shorter because they are skipping the first three stages. But, um, yeah, we'll wait and see. I mean, I doubt that the Giro is just going to cancel, but I, I also doubt we're done seeing positive cases. I agree. Yeah, I think there will be more of the same thing going on in Spain. All right, so that brings us to uh, quick hits of our transfer news and some other team news. Um, Danny Martinez announced that he's headed to Ineos. That's a kind of a big one. Tom Pickock, uh, the up-and-coming British writer, going to Ineos as well. It's got to be about the most uh, transfers for Ineos. They're probably full up after all the moves they've been making. Uh, we have not heard that Garrett Thomas is leaving yet, I should manage. Uh, Ildor Zacharine is off to Gazprom. And uh, NTT is losing their title sponsor. Of course, this is the team that was Dimension Data, NTT. The Nippon Telecom Company uh, in Japan has announced that they will uh, not be sponsoring the team next year. So Dimension Data, uh, who knows, maybe they'll be back with their title sponsor. But not good news for that team. Um, while it's still not good news for CCC, there is, uh, I guess, uh, some finality to it now. Circus Wanty Gobert has uh, purchased the uh, Continuum Sports License um, that uh, Jim Okowitz's company has owned. So Jim Okowitz is gone. Um, no word yet on if any CCC staff will move over to Circus Wanty Gobert. Uh, Rain Terme has announced that he'll be uh, leaving Total Direct Energy for Circus Wanty Gobert, um, but uh, not a, a lot of news on the other. So goodbye, Jim Okowitz. Goodbye, CCC. Hello, Circus Wanty Gobert. Hello again. That's so sad. It's end of an era. I hope Jim... Um comes back eventually yeah we'll see it seems like he might have been beaten up a little too much in all of this um yeah circus wandy gobert was a pro continental team still is um but moving up 
Uh, Quintana also has revealed that he had a broken kneecap, uh, at least through the tour, uh, which needs surgery. Uh, I should also mention that there were no doping charges that the uh, team, um, what was it, a soigneur and a doctor or something were released from jail. Uh, no charges brought. So it sounds like that was much ado about nothing. Um, coming up. This Sunday, the Tour of Flanders, uh, and then next Wednesday is Bruges de Pont, and then with the cancellation of um, the Paris-Roubaix, that means uh, well, that's probably it for big classics racing. But we still got the Vuelta. The Vuelta is starting next Tuesday. Can you believe it? We still got another Grand Tour. There's like no rest. Like between there's no the rest class- literally. Between the <laughs> classics and the Giro, like sometimes I like agree i don't even know what i'm watching half the time i mean it's pretty crazy that we're going to be having two grand tours happening at the same time maybe the giro makes it right um so why did they um, cancel the first three stages just to shorten it the first three stages were to take place in portugal and because of the uh covid outbreak portugal said they'd rather not do that so they said instead of moving them like they did with the giro uh they would just cancel those three stages and because of the overlap i think partially as well yeah so, uh, so yes, the Volta begins on uh, Tuesday, uh, the 18 stages. The first is a hilly with a Cat 1 uh, very close to the finish. There's another climber day on stage 2 and a real Cat 1 summit finish on stage 3. It's a very mountain-intensive uh, course. Stage four is for the sprinters, perhaps also stage five, unless there's a break day that day. And then Sunday, uh, the 25th of October, mark this one down on your calendar, three major climbs, uh, including the HC Summit finish on the Col de Tourmalet, one of our favorite mountains. Oh, that's cool that they're going to go to a, a summit we see on the Tour de France. Yeah, it's great. Technically in France. Right. <laughs> uh, there's a rest day after that, and then some hilly stages, um, stage seven, another Cat 1 summit finish on stage eight. Stage 9 and 10 are for the sprinters, and then more brutal mountain days on stages 11 and 12. Uh, Cat 1 summit finish on stage 11 and HC summit finish on stage 12. Rest day, and then we've got a 33.2 kilometer time trial with a little kicker, pretty much flat with just a little kicker right at the end. That'll be pretty fun to have two-thirds of the way through. Um, Stages 14, 15, 16, all relatively transition-y, maybe some breakaways, maybe some sprints. And then the final test for the GC with an HC summit finish on stage 17. Uh, And then our final stage 18 traditional day in Madrid. So um, mountain heavy, I would say, Emily? Yeah, I can't wait. I always really like the Walta. Um, And I can't wait to watch people climb on the Col de Tourmalet. Roglic is going to be very uh, hyped up to win this. You know, uh, he won last year. He barely lost the, the tour. I'm picking him. So a good transition because I were going to bring up the Volta contenders. Uh, the it's we're still on the um, we still haven't announced the absolute final uh, start list because of the uh, the delayed stage start, but. Uh, this looks pretty close. So, so here's the some of the most notable names: um, Yumbo Visma, Roglic, Dumoulin, Kuss. So, um, this is a pretty good team. I mean, it's an excellent team, and I just like feel so um, fun to watch 
like Tom Dumoulin is just like so happy for Primoz Djokovic all the time. <laughs> Except for on that one on on time one day when <laughs> Tom looks so sad for him. Uh, Movistar bringing Valverde, Enric Mas, Mark Soler, and JJ Rojas. This is the real big guns for Movistar. Yeah, that's a good, that's a strong team too. Uh, Ineos. Oh, look at that. Chris Froome, huh? Who knew? Uh, and Richard Carapaz and Andre Amador. What do you think, Emily? Is Chris Froome going to be back? I don't think so. Just from what we have seen lately in the last couple of months, I don't think so. I'll predict top 10 with about five minutes back. All right. Uh, do you think that he will finish in front of or behind Richard Carapaz? Behind. <laughs> Ineos, uh, excuse me, uh, Team EF are bringing Danny Martinez, Hugh Carthy, Michael Woods, and TJ Van Garderen. Oh my God. What about TJ? <laughs> Team captain. He needs to retire. UAE are riding behind Rui Costa. They've got David Formolo, Jasper Philipson, Deva Dela Cruz, and Sergio Enau. Um We knew going in that Tadej Pogacar was not going to be racing, but still kind of feels like they're missing an opportunity. Yeah, I'm I'm sorry he's not. It'd be fun to see him battle Roglic again. I'm sure Roglic is happy he's not. I'm sure he is. (laughs) Uh, Astana, Alexei Lutsenko, Alexander Vaskov, and the Izagires. Lado Sudal, Tim Wellens will be there. Haven't seen a lot of him lately. AG2R, uh, Alexander Genies, and Matthias Franck. Uh, Group Palma FDJ, Thibaut Pino. Interesting. Don't see Thibaut Pino in the Vuelta a lot. And David Gadu. Do you think Thibaut Pino has a chance online? No, I don't think so. I'm pretty um, unhopeful. What's the, op- what's the word for not hopeful? I think it's not hopeful. Okay, yeah, no. Pessimistic, maybe? Pessimistic, right. Um, are you optimistic or pessimistic about Mitchelton Scott's chances with Esteban Chavez and uh, Mikel Nieve? Mm, you know what? I feel like I haven't seen Esteban Chavez in a long time. I'm going to say no. I mean, just from watching the 20 Friends, I just feel like there's this new wave of very strong younger writers that's on the scene now. And I'm putting my bas- my eggs in their basket. Well, I think Chavez was at the tour, so you really didn't see much of it. <laughs> no. Uh Bahrain McLaren have Wout Poles, Dylan Tunes, and Mate Mohoric. Wout Poles has not had a good season. Kofidis, uh there behind Guillaume Martin, who was kind of a hipster pick for the tour and didn't, you know, did okay. Uh, the Harada brothers as well. Uh, Bora, Ra, Pascal Ackerman, Dakuna Quickstep, Sam Bennett, and Zenek Stebar. Israel Startup Nation, Dan Martin and Ben Hermans. And then we've got the uh, wildcard invitees, Burgos and Caja Rural and Total Direct Energy. Um, Total Direct Energy bringing Nikki Terpstra and Roman Saccard. So um, take this where you will. Anyone got a, a wild pick for a potential uh, dark horse or, or anyone want to call out a winner? You already, uh, Murray, you already said you think Roglic has got this? Well, I think he does. I mean, he's just going to be so dedicated to winning this race. Interesting, there aren't too many sprinters at all, are there? No, too many mountains. Yeah. Do you did you pick Roglic to win the tour? Uh, I believe I did. And do you think he has a better chance of winning the Vuelta than he did of winning the tour back when you picked him to win the tour? Well, as it turns out, yes, because Pogacar is not racing. <laughs> Emily, are you gonna you picked Valverde to win the tour? Are you gonna pick him to win the Vuelta? 
Um, actually, I was just going to pick him to win the Walta because oh I feel like he always had, had a better chance winning the Walta. But I do want to go back to um, what I said before about betting on some of these other younger people. But can I say Sam Bennett? To win? To win the strength, you mean? Yeah. I'll tell you a dark horse. Danny Martinez. Yeah, I don't even know if that's that dark. I was yeah. about to I was about to say that he might be the one, but but actually I'm going to go a different direction. I'm going to pick Enrique Moss. I think that uh you know, he's been there or thereabouts as they say and uh, I think that that he could do it with Valverde there with Mark Soler there. They got a little 1 2 3 punch going. Movistar is strong. It's a Spanish race, so so maybe he can do it. Uh, yeah, as for as for the sprints, I think Sam Bennett is uh, very likely to uh, to look good, better than Ackerman, most likely. Um, so uh, so yeah, any anyone else on here? What what do you guys think about uh, someone like a Michael Woods? Maybe an Alexander Vlasov? These guys are uh, they're they're strong riders. They could be there in the the top five. I always like Lexi Lucingo. Actually, he has always been really strong when he was on. Oh, I guess he's always been on Astana. Yeah. Yeah. Guillaume Martin, possibly. Yep, 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 solid pick. Well, we will see. Uh, as as mentioned, the Volta starts in just a few days uh, as the Giro continues. So um, please tune in, and uh, we'll try to come back and talk about all of this in the future. Uh, until then, you can uh, find us by going to soundcloud.com slash pelotonofun. You can also uh, follow us on Instagram. You can uh, subscribe on your favorite podcast app, or you can leave us a review and a rating, and you can email us pelotonoffun at gmail.com. Any final thoughts, Murray or Emily, before we go? Well, I really hope the Vuelta is a lot better than the Giro. It'll be fun to watch another Grand Tour and really enjoy it. Yeah, I'm just like so um, glad with all these world pandemic that this is still happening. Yeah, yeah and it'll be fun to see a, a new uh, group of, of Eurosport uh, people that they pull in. Hopefully Adam Blythe will be there. Uh, who is the uh, the writer that they always have in the pink pants who is uh, doing the... Oh, yeah. Uh, what was his name? Uh, the, the Volta? <laughs> He's pretty fun, so uh, we'll we'll, Which we'll. I can't really understand him. We'll come back and do a full review of all the different coverage as well. Uh, notably, ITV is not doing any Giro coverage, so it's really just been the Eurosport show, and of course, it's not on in America either. Uh, so I don't feel as bad about uh, admitting that we're watching the Eurosport coverage. Uh, okay, until that that's time, um, thank you for listening. You got to fight for uh, pink, and then you got to fight for red, and then you gotta go for the Tour of Flanders. There's a lot of happening.